Hollywood Community Church exists to shine as light in our homes, in our community, and in our world. To contact us or for more information, see our website at wildwoodchurch.org. Well, welcome on this Easter Sunday. We're so glad that you're here. And uh, if you have a Bible, please open it up and turn in that Bible to the Gospel of John and chapter number 6. If you don't have a Bible, there should be one under a chair in front of you, and you could take that Bible and turn in the back part to page 76, and you would be at John chapter 6. It was December 27th. It was Saturday afternoon, about 3.15 p.m. It happened in Provincetown Harbor off the tip of Cape Cod. The U.S. Navy submarine S-4 was preparing to surface after completing their daily maneuvers. And unaware of one another's presence, the Coast Guard cutter Paulding hit the S-4 tearing a hole in the side of the sub. And 40 men immediately sank 110 feet to the bottom of the harbor, trapped in a prison house of death. And even then, things turned more serious. As seawater leaking in hit the sub's batteries, it began to produce chlorine gas. Hours later, the first diver managed to get down to the sub, and he began to tap on the wall of the engine room, and there was no response. And then he went and he found the motor room, and he was tapping there, and there was no response. And they concluded that the men in those rooms had succumbed to the cold and the chlorine. And then he went to the torpedo room, and he was tapping on the wall there. And as he heard a response back, he realized that there were six men still alive. And they were tapping out their own message in Morse code. And that message was, please hurry. Well, every effort was made to rescue the crew. But ultimately, sadly, all the efforts failed. Near the end of the ordeal, there was another diver down there doing everything in his power to find a way for the crew's release. And as he got close to the sub, he heard, he heard that tapping on the wall of the sub. And so he went closer with his helmet there and just listened. And he noticed that as he heard that tapping, they were spelling out a Morse code message. And it was a message that was repeating the same question over and over. The question was, is there any hope? You know, when you come to the Easter season and you just talk about Easter, there's a, a collage of associations that comes that people can have. For some, when you say Easter, they think of the harbinger of spring. This is the time in which things begin to grow again. For other people, when you mention Easter, they think of the Easter bunny and candy and colored eggs and egg hunts. 
For other people, when you say Easter, they think of the time in which we get to buy new spring clothes. But I want to talk this morning about the heart of Easter. The title of our message today is Easter's Ultimate Synonym. And Easter's ultimate synonym is a four-letter word, hope, hope. You know, we have a very common saying in our culture, there are two things that are certain in life, death and taxes. And one of those is an incessant irritant to most of us, but the other is a lingering dread for many of us. Remember a number of years ago, I saw this cartoon, and in this cartoon, you have this man, and he is standing beneath this enormous, sharp dagger, and the dagger is suspended from above by a very thin thread. So you get the picture. You have this large dagger, sharp dagger. It's being suspended by a very thin thread, and both of these things are right over the head of the individual. And the caption on the cartoon is, it's very inconvenient to be mortal. You know, the specter of death raises a question. And the question is, is there any hope? You know, how can one cope constructively with the dizzy flight of the years, with the knowledge that every tick of the clock brings death closer? It's interesting just to get people's reactions to death. Here is one person's reaction. I hate talking about death. I avoid death at every turn in my life. Someone else said this, I find it hard to go to funerals. Another person said, death is best left not discussed. One other person said, I can handle just about anything in life except death. And in one sense, every one of us as human beings are trapped in a prison house of death. Just the lingering of that word, that D word, just bothers us. Sigmund Freud, who was the father of psychiatry, wrote about the painful riddle of death, and he said this regarding the painful riddle of death. He says, for which no remedy at all has yet been found, nor probably ever will be. Is there any hope? You know, one thing is true. No matter what happens with the economy, and we've had a lot of interesting rides with the economy, one thing is going to be true. Funeral homes are not going to go out of business. You know, we are going to continue to funnel business to them. When you talk about death, Woody Allen put a different twist on it. He said this, it's not that I'm afraid to die, I just don't want to be there when it happens. The truth is we need a help transfusion. All this really raises a, a question. I don't know if you've thought about this question or not, but the question is, why is there death? 
Why is it even here? Why is it something I have to dread? Why is it something I have to deal with? And this is one thing the Bible helps us with. You see, the Bible tells us that death is a consequence. It is a consequence of our sin and rebellion in the face of a holy God. If I could paraphrase it, it would be something like this, that the Bible tells us that we all suffer from uh, a Frank Sinatra syndrome. And that is when it comes to our life, we choose to do it my way. And our rebellion earns us death. It's really our own choices that end up trapping us in a prison house of death. But the most important question of all is there any hope? And the cool thing about Easter is that the events of Easter point the way to hope. They include Jesus' death on a Friday and Jesus' resurrection on a Sunday. And I believe that hope can be succinctly summarized from John chapter 6 and verse 40. What I want to do is I want to read this verse. You can follow along. And then we're going to take some few moments to zoom in on verse 40. This is actually Jesus himself speaking here. And he says this. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who beholds the Son and believes in him will have eternal life. And I myself will raise him up on the last day. Now, men and women, I believe that Jesus gives to us here a destiny altering statement. It is a prescription for the greatest enemy that we all face. Let's zoom in a little closer and look at what he says. Notice he begins this statement by saying, for this is the will of my Father. Frequently, there are people running around asking the question, what is the will of God? Well, part of the answer is given to us very clearly here by Jesus. He says, this is the will of my Father. What is his will? This is the stated will of the one who is second to none, the one who is the absolute ruler of the universe, the one who's completely in charge of everything. Well, what is his will? He says, this is the will of my Father, that everyone who beholds the Son and believes in him will have eternal life. This is the will of the Father, that every person can have a sure destiny beyond death. 
Everyone who beholds the Son and believes in him will have eternal life. And by the way, this is an emphasis in this chapter. You can read through the chapter later, but I want you to notice verse 47. Jesus says just a few moments later, truly, truly, I say to you, which is a way in the original language of saying, here comes the most important piece of information. He who believes has eternal life. And there's an interesting picture that he gives in verse 51. He says, I am the living bread that came down out of heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. He's picturing himself as this living bread, and he says, if you eat of it, it's a picture of those who embrace Christ for who he is and for what he has done. He says, if you eat this bread, you will live forever. Now back to verse 40. What an amazing statement this is. He says, this is the will of my Father. If you want to know what God's will is, I will share it with you, that everyone who beholds the Son and believes in him will have eternal life. And then he adds this statement at the end. And I myself will raise him up on the last day. In the original language, that word myself is very emphatic. What a statement. That the Son of the living God the creator of the world, the creator of me and you, the one to whom all power and authority has been given on heaven and earth. His statement is, I myself will raise him up on the last day. If you, if you would, let me paraphrase it this way. This is certain. You can count on it. I'm going to personally handle it. Men and women, that is hope transfusion if I've ever seen it. The question is, is there any hope? And the answer is in John 6.40, yes. But did you notice it's not hope for everyone? It's not an automatic thing. Look at it again. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who does a certain thing here, everyone who beholds the Son and believes in Him will have eternal life, and I myself will raise Him up on the last day. This promise holds true for those that Jesus says beholds the Son. What does that mean? It means for everyone who sees Jesus Christ for who he is, the God of the universe who came to this planet with one express purpose in mind, and that was to die in your place and mine, to take our penalty upon himself, to see him for who he is and for what he has done that he died in our place, and that he rose again, showing his triumph over death and sin and judgment. 
everyone who responds in this way, who beholds the Son and believes in Him. What does that mean to believe in Him? It means to choose to entrust our destiny beyond death to Him and Him alone. It's not what I'm going to bring to the party, but what He has accomplished on our behalf. And based on what He accomplished on the cross, and based on what He accomplished when He was raised again from the dead, that's what I'm going to trust in. This is the will of my Father, that everyone who beholds the Son and believes in Him will have eternal life, and I myself will raise Him up on the last day. You know, Ricky, when he was sharing his testimony with us, said that every one of us has an incurable disease called sin. Let me ask you a question in light of that. Are you ready to die? You know, two years ago, when Ricky retired as a lieutenant colonel from the Air Force at the age of 49, he was thinking like we would all be thinking, You know, I'm probably going to live for many, many more years. You know, 75, 80, I don't know. But all those expectations aren't going to line up with reality. And the same thing can be true of us. We might be thinking, I'm going to live a long time. Maybe not. Are you ready to die? You know, there is going to be an afterlife for everyone. There's going to be an afterlife. Either we're going to have an afterlife in His presence or an afterlife apart from his presence. We're going to have an an afterlife where we go to a place where there's going to be no more tears, there's going to be no more mourning, there's going to be no more pain, there's going to be no more suffering, there's going to be no more cancer, there's going to be no more ALS. Or we're going to go to a place where there will be judgment, where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. Is there any hope? And the answer is yes, because of the events of Easter. And you might be saying, well, how do I know it's the solution? And the answer is because he did it. Because he went to death on our behalf. And he passed through death victorious. He conquered death. Everyone needs a Savior. It doesn't make any difference whether you're young or whether you're old. Everyone needs a rescuer from sin and judgment. But the reality is, there's only one. You see, there is only one who is God himself who came to this planet and died in your place. There's only one who took on the sins of the world, your sins and my sins, and was killed and buried, who was resurrected again from the dead, seen by hundreds of people. Everyone needs a Savior and a Rescuer. 
Do you have one? Jesus is ready to be yours. All you have to do is to come to him and to say, God, I, I know that I've been a sinner. I know that I've done wrong things. I know that I've rebelled. I know that I've lived life my way. And yet I want to recognize that Jesus Christ had me on his heart from the beginning. He died in my place. He rose again triumphant. And I want to not only having seen him as that, I want to believe in and entrust my destiny to him. You can do that here. You can do that in a car. You can do that in your home. You can do that anywhere. That transaction happens inside. The best synonym for Easter is hope. And the greatest privilege that we can have in our life is to worship him for the hope that he brings us. I want to direct your attention to Romans chapter 15 and verse 13. We have it up on the screen. And it says this, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that you will abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. And as we close the message portion of our service today, I want us to say that verse out loud together and to each other. There are four phrases. So let's say it out loud together and to each other. Are you ready? Here we go. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that you will abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's pray together. Father, we just thank you so much for these Easter events. And we thank you, as we sang earlier today, that you are mighty to save. We thank you, as we sang earlier, that you overcame the grave that you made a way. We thank you, Father, that in you alone, as we sang earlier, hope can be found. And Father, we would pray that every one of us would take that step of beholding the Son and then believing in Him and entrusting ourselves to Him for our eternal destiny so that we can say with some confidence, O death, where is your sting? To the honor and glory of Jesus Christ. And we pray in his name, amen. You know, I believe that God is calling every one of us to come awake.